Welcome to your listening to Geekologist Radio, a division of the Ninja Family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. We're from a Ninja Family. Oh, gosh. All right. <laughs> Welcome to your listening to Geekologist Radio, a division of the Ninja Pancake Family of Podcasts. Hey, it's Damien. Welcome to Geekologist Radio in our queue. Speaking of, I'm here with Nick tonight, and we're just going to get hyped. We're going to, we change things up a little bit. We decide, you know, new mu- upbeat music. Might as well get ourselves right into the hype train. So we're going to be talking right now. Nick, I think we saw a preview that just released, and it's of a 1986 video game that. I know. I know. In my family, it was a big deal to us. Uh, Rampage. What did you think of the trailer? This trailer also, mind you, stars Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I think everything stars Dwayne the Rock Johnson right now. Every time I turn on a trailer, there's Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He's in every uh, viral video. He's in. He's pretty much everywhere. Um, I I actually actually Damien. I I know about the game. I played a lot about the game. I actually didn't even know this this movie was in production. I wasn't paying attention. So when you posted the video of this, I was like, wait a minute, they made a Rampage movie? And I was like, oh, of course it has The Rock in it. He just made Jumanji. He's making every remake. He made uh, the Witch Mountain movie. I was like, oh my God, another. But then I watched the trailer. I started watching it. And I was like, wow, this is actually kind of interesting. A little bit of a twist on it. And uh, I actually enjoyed, I think it was like a three minute long trailer. I actually enjoyed the trailer. Yeah, watching the trailer, I was very curious on how they were going to go about creating the monsters. We reported on Geekologist Radio about this. I should have looked up the episode number, but we actually talked about the when we first heard that uh, Dwayne Rock Johnson was cast in it, and then we gave little updates, uh, especially to a to a star who's actually surprisingly absent from the film tra- first trailer, which is Malin Ackerman, who is supposed to be the big bad. She's nowhere in it. That could be her brunette hair that you see when you see them loading up the chemicals or whatever that stuff is. So that may be the little bit you see of her. But what you do see a lot of, and I I understand, you know, some actors, they get into a role. They have a hard time separating themselves. You know, Johnny Depp, you know, when he did Sweeney Todd, there's a lot of Jack Sparrow in Sweeney Todd. Well, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is in this, and I love myself some Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He's a Seattleite. You know, he loves the Seahawks. He's an awesome guy. You know, he was a great character in the uh, in the the paranormal, not paranormal, ha, um, in the Supernatural TV series as as the father. But I swear that <laughs> he just need to say, "I'm Negan." I mean. I mean, we talked about it before, but the tone of his voice, the mannerisms in this trailer, I sat down and watched it with my wife and I looked at her and go, okay, he's the bad, he's the bad guy in this because he's releasing the, the gorilla 
And I said, he started the zombie apocalypse. This is how The Walking Dead started. It's all his <laughs> fault. That's why he's such an asshole in The Walking Dead. Um, I don't know where he found the bat. Maybe it was on the plane when it exploded. <laughs> but uh, it's... And and I know it's a small clip of the of the trailer, but it, every part of it is Negan. Uh, I... I, I when the movie comes out and the, his role's expanded, obviously, uh, maybe we'll see just a little glimpse of Negan, and maybe they just added that in there because of The Walking Dead right now and how popular it is on the show. Maybe that's the reason why. It, it could be, but it just it was so he's got that swagger, and that's the thing is it actually distracts. It actually sorry, it, it actually just, distracted me from the trailer. <laughs> same here. That was the yeah. problem, and it's like I I love the Negan character, and I love him casting cast as that character. But because, and you know, people who don't watch The Walking Dead would see this and just think, oh, this character's a badass, you know, or he thinks he's a badass. One of the two, you know, but the, it, it did, it distracted a little bit. But while I was watching this, I, I really liked, I liked how they did, they chose to do an albino gorilla because then it makes sense why he rescued him, all this stuff, why Dwayne The Rock Johnson's character rescued him. Yeah, res- that makes rescued sense, him yeah. and. So they adds in that kind of that dynamic and stuff into it, and and in the game, uh, the character the the ape's name was George. There also is a giant werewolf uh, that was named Ralph, but in this, it's a giant wolf that has grown like horns and stuff off of it. Yeah, but- you don't see a you see more of George obviously to get the kind of the the backstory with the rock to kind of uh, show why that character is involved. The wolf, though, all you hear is Negan go, oh, you don't you don't know about the big bad wolf? And you just see him kind of jumping yeah. through the woods. <laughs> yep. So we don't know anything really about that yet. No. We know it looks like it's – it reminded me of a Jurassic Park. Uh, maybe me of the second Jurassic Park, Jurassic, uh, Jurassic Park 2, where they go and they're in, the, they're in the scene when they're in the woods and they're running from the Rex as it's chasing after them. Yeah. Screaming. Yeah. That's yeah. what that scene reminded me of. The movie looks like it's going to be fun, but the thing is, the during the entire trailer, there was one thing I was worried about. I wanted to know where Lizzie was. There was no lizard, and in the original, the or not the original, in the original NES game, when the NES game came out, I don't for whatever reason they dropped Ralph, and they only had they only had George and Lizzie in it. And then they came out on the Super Nintendo with a redo that had the actual original arcade game from '86, which had the trio. George, Ralph, and Lizzie. So I was like, okay, are they going to do this? I mean, I could see this being the two, but, you know. I, and the thing is with, with previews and trailers, you don't always – a lot of stuff's shot just for a trailer. So I don't know if we're going to actually get this comment. You, something that you said that, you that you know, when The Rock says it, you're kind of like, huh. But I think it, this may have been just shot for the trailer is when The Rock's in the helicopter and he looks down and he says, what is – you know, the, I was just thinking – only thing that's missing is a giant crocodile. He's looking in the water and you see you yeah. see the crocodile or like a Godzilla looking thing moving through. Yeah, that's the only part of the trailer that I was like, oh, come on. It's a little corny. Um, but you're right. That might have been just shot for the trailer. Obviously, but that's a lot of money right there to show that big crocodile jumping out. Well, and, no, no, uh, no, no. I meant I meant I meant him. I meant the Oh, the line. Well, Sorry. The line. Yeah. That could you're right. Yeah. yeah, that could have been only for the trailer. I was thinking the whole scene with your mission. No, before. no, 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 no. Yeah, no, yeah Liz, okay. Lizzie's got to be in it. Correct. Yeah, it has to be three. Um, but you're right. She was just a giant lizard, though, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't she a big? Uh, uh, did they did they uh, 
give it what type of species, like a chameleon or or is it Iguana, just a lizard? Like it was basically a Godzilla. Iguana. Like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So this one's definitely a crocodile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a wicked looking crocodile, but the the whole thing screams not. It doesn't scream box office smash, but what it does is it looks like a fun film, and it's going to be one of those things that's going to be audio. If it's going to succeed, it's going to be audience driven. Is it a box office crash? You know, it could be. I mean, look at Baywatch. <laughs> Baywatch was funny. Oh, that's another Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, I actually exactly. thought the movie was funny. Yeah, same here. So yeah. Baywatch, it wasn't I thought good, was funny, but it was funny. It was funny. Yeah. yeah, so it was something that was fun. Now, now there's in the middle of the trailer, there is a scene where the wolf and uh, George are in the city, and they're kind of terrorizing, and you can see the military out there and everything like that. You know. Right towards the game, you know. But there is a cool scene where George kind of does like a shoulder rush. And he hits this building and kind of smashes it apart. That was really cool, man. I was like, okay, I can see a lot of that, yeah. Yeah, I liked, I liked it because, you know, I I really like King Kong. And I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, me too, yeah. One of the things that I'm happy about is that the CGI is good. It's not, you're not looking at something. And this was just for a trailer. Usually the trailer CGI is horrible. I mean, come on now. Let's think about the Justice League and think about when we first saw Cyborg. Not good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He looked like liquid metal 80s Terminator T1 or whatever the Terminator <laughs> was. I'm going to lose my geek card and not knowing that on top of my head. Uh, George, that scene where George comes out of the cave, though, and he's scared and he has some scratches on his chest and everything, that looked really good. And then yeah. they even did it. They even did a close-up shot of his face. Yep. And that looked really good too. So my question is, I want to know who's doing the like. I haven't. I haven't looked up, and I should have. I should have looked up who's doing the motion capture for him because first thing I think of is okay, whoever's doing this, are they attached to Planet of the Apes? Oh, okay, yeah, because that that, that would be. make that would make sense. This is also brought to you by the same people who brought uh, who did San Andreas, and it's got a very San Andreas feel it to do, it, a vibe. Yeah, it does. Yeah, which again, that movie was fun. It wasn't anything crazy, but it was a fun film. <laughs> it was <laughs> when that movie first came out. I was like, please don't tell me they're making a Grand Theft Auto movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hot coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> interesting interesting fact with that, with that even though it's game related is when I was trading some games in the GameStop cannot take the original the original Grand Theft Auto San Andreas because it still has the ability to have be an adult rated game because of the codes oh, that you can get into it. They yeah. have to, it has to be a greatest hitch where that line of code was removed. Okay, yeah. I found that that's, out recently. That's the thing. That's the thing that concerns them about that game, please. <laughs> yeah. Before we do this, you know, we we usually go into the hype train after this initial trailer and stuff like that. What what's your thought process on? You're you're. Do you want to see this, or is this something you're going to wait to rent? Yeah. Uh, uh, for me, that's a, this is a game that I grew up playing. Of course, I'm going to go see it. I, Same I, here. I'm, Anything they make, um, we talked about this last week, Damian, about the JLA coming out, and mm -hmm. I want people to go see it. The build the universe. If they're building stuff from our childhood and you don't like it, I totally understand. I'm not going to knock anybody for not liking something. Um, but uh, I want to see these things because I want these things built because it could – who knows? It could be good. It, it could, could be, be great. It could be. Yeah, we don't this know. Is some, this is something – one of those ones I think we should try to target to go as a group and then yeah. – 
do like a, we could do a recording beforehand and then we could do a recording a reactionary after which would be kind of fun to start doing that would be fun yeah so okay so guys that's something we're going to target for uh rampage and this co- rampage is targeted to come out for 2018 Makes sense. <laughs> Just a little. Next up in the hype train, the Batman standalone. Is it going to stand alone without Batflick? Batflick. <laughs> you know, I think he doesn't deserve that name anymore. I mean, he's trying to find a way to gracefully bow out and all this stuff. It's like, come on, man. I was so excited. Now, this is one of the things is from when I saw Batman v Superman. Yes. And they introduced Batman in that scene to how he appeared like almost like alien, like like from the movie Aliens, he is up hiding and stuff. He was scary. That made me excited for the standalone film, but he's just trying to get out of the role and it irritates I, I think, me. Yeah, I don't I'm not really going to blame him too much for this. I mean, um his personal life is stuff. He's yeah. going through some things, so I would understand if he's trying to bow out of something that takes up a lot of your time and pay attention to your family and everything like that. You can't really blame him for that. Another thing is, is that when he first signed on, and I could be wrong here, Damien, didn't he sign on to uh, play Batman but also direct some of these movies too? Yeah, he was supposed to direct his own Batman. He was supposed to write and direct Batman. That's what I was looking forward to because if, if you look at his... his uh, Everything he's directed so far and played in, it they've all been really good movies. And I was looking forward to the way he would take it. Now, obviously, in a movie like Batman, there's a lot of studio hands involved in there. So I could see where they wanted to pull it this direction, and he wasn't. That's not what he was looking for. So I don't really blame him too much of trying okay. to bow out as playing Batman. Um, I think he did okay. I'm not a Batman versus Superman hater either. I Never actually, mind. I mean, it's Batman Year One. I love that book, and I, I appreciated that movie, what it was trying to do. And I'm not saying it executed perfectly, but it was trying to do something that most superhero movies that we've seen don't do, which is that dark, gritty, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, movie. And that's what Batman to has Gotham. to be. You know, yeah, that's what that, Gotham yeah. is. And that's what Batman has to be. He's not... He's not The Flash, you know. He's not Spider-Man. He's not Iron Man. He's not Captain America. There's not really a shining light on him. He his backstory, everybody knows, it's dark. His whole his whole existence is dark and dirty. So uh, I understand trying to add a little bit of uh, comic relief or something like that to his movies, but even uh, the Nolan films, those were all dark and those were yeah. very successful. So I don't really blame him. But speaking of the Nolan films, someone who almost got the Batman role, yeah is actually being sought out to take Affleck's place in the standalone. That's Jake Gyllenhaal. That actually Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, it wouldn't have worked so well had he been picked for the <laughs> for the films, the Nolan films having the fact that his sister Maggie became the love interest. That would have been weird. Yeah, the the Nolan trilogy I don't think would have really worked for him. But this is an opportunity to where I think this universe, I think Jake would do a good job in this universe. I think his version of Batman, just how he is, if you've seen his films, because he he does drama, he does every, he does a little bit. Oh, of he, and he's, he's good. Yeah, he's a great multiverse actor. He can do anything really. Um, I can see him being a little bit lighter 
Um, and I know that's probably where they want to go with this, like MCU, you know, mm-hmm. right now. Uh, so far, a lot of the reviews on JLA is, you know, the Flash is funny and good, kind of like, you know, the comic relief as Spider-Man is for the MCU. Um, Cyborg is light at some points, I heard. And so is Aquaman. Even they say he's more than just a one line, you know, brute kind of guy. And we all seen Wonder Woman and how great she is. Yeah. So maybe they're looking for somebody that's just a little bit lighter on the side than what Ben Affleck is trying to do. What I like is is that they're not erasing. They're doing like they're. That sounds like they're trying to do the James Bond thing where they just have someone else kind of slide into the suit and play the same character. They're not erasing the past. Uh, the past character. The past movies and films that have been, you know... Yeah, and that happens all the time in TV, you know, where an actor gets replaced, famously like Roseanne. But I know that's like a comedy, you know, but it happens all the time. Um, I wouldn't bother me if we just continued this universe. And like we talked about last week that I want it built pretty badly, so I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit here. And if Jake was willing to slide in like that, and if it was Jake, because I I do like this casting Mm -hmm. idea... Um, I don't think I have a big issue with it. No, I mean it's and as you touch back on Ben Affleck having having family issues, things like that. It it you know it's something that as a fan sometimes it's hard for the fan to understand that actors are humans and have families and aren't just there for our entertainment. Yeah, correct. They're just like us. <laughs> yeah, so I hope the best for him, and I look forward to at least seeing him. For this next outing, when I get a chance to go see on Tuesday, I'm going to go in to see Justice League. So next week, I'll be able to kind of touch base, just give my, my, my ideas on some of the stuff that's going on with it. Now, next, after that, I wanted to talk into something that I know that, like, you're, you're a fan of Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm also here. a fan. Of, I'm actually not, I'm a big fan of the Hobbits, the trilogy. Same I really, I really enjoyed it, yeah. Now, Amazon is creating a Lord of the Re- Lord of the Rings series, a prequel. Uh, yeah. Now, now you're creating a prequel. Here's the thing, and I've been shouting this from the rooftops. Do Shadow of Mordor. Turn <laughs> it into the film. Bring these characters to life because it is amazing. I I know you love this game and. Uh... What's just funny is that I was at work and a, a welder that I work with, I don't really see him as a big video game guy. And he started talking to me about Shadow of Mordor. And then he was like, they just they just need to make, that's just Lord of the Rings. They just need to make that into a movie. He was saying the exact same thing you're saying. So that's funny. I've heard that twice now. Because it, it, it's so good. It's just the storyline is amazing. The characters are all just, they're all, even just the littlest characters are fleshed out, which is it's great. You need it in the Lord of the Rings film or in anything that's related to the to the Tolkien's. You need that the Tolkien novels. You need that kind of dynamic. It has you have to you have to cherish it to be able to be able to work with it. And so I'm I'm hoping that no matter what direction Amazon goes with this, it just needs to be good. If you ha- I mean they have <laughs> they have the money. They have the money, so you don't know, it we have one more season left. Of Game of Thrones, come on, Amazon, give us our next, give us our next binge, give us our next fantasy that we want to expend our time in. That's kind of my main thing. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that, especially since the last season. You just depressed me on the last season of Game of Thrones. I mean, but they are doing side stories, but we don't know what no, those are going to be. And <laughs> we're all looking forward to that, too, yeah. Yes. Um, they did say that they're going to explore new storylines, and it's going to be a prequel to The Fellowship of the Ring. So hopefully they, maybe they can uh, get some of the characters that we want to see and just kind of uh, dig those out. I mean, it could be, it's going to be interesting because, I mean, it's like, are, it, are the characters all going to interact are they going to do like an anthology? Because there were the prequel books that were found, like his his sibling or you know his children found them, and there were just like a series, and they released them in in a series in a in a full case, and it was just different small stories that take place in Middle Earth. They could utilize some of those stories to be able to add some of those characters in, because a lot of this stuff took place before the Fellowship. Now let me ask you this, because I'm looking at this right now. And the report is that um, earlier this month that Amazon, Netflix, and HBO were all originally approached about this project. Um, the rights alone priced between 200 and $250 million. Now, would you have rather seen, I know Amazon's a new streaming service, and there's some original content on there that I like. I like Bosch. I've been watching that. Would you have rather had Netflix or HBO you know, secure the rights to this series? I would have or rather does- HBO. If I had yeah. if I had my choice, I would have rather HBO. I'm thinking the same thing here. And I didn't really I didn't originally uh realize that all three were in the I mean, obviously everybody's gonna try to get their hands on this and Amazon must outbid them for it because they are trying to get original content on there mm-hmm. and and they have some good shows. Cut uh Castastrophe. That's the other one that's an Emmy Award winning show on Amazon. Um that's a really good show too. But yeah, I think I would have rather had HBO play with this world. Basically, if my my view of this is is that had HBO gotten a hold of it, yeah, we would have known that the dragons would have been awesome. Any type of like the the CGI, we know would have been taken care of. Well, couldn't they take the production crew from Game of Thrones since it's the last season and just kind of thrown it right at this? Yeah, they could have they already could've. kind of set up, you know. But the thing is, is that they're probably HBO is probably like, well, we're still going to do Game of Thrones. We we got Westworld. And we're going to do Game of Thrones. When this is over, we're going to we're, our production crew is going to continue working on Game of Thrones. That's probably what HBO is thinking. Because yeah, you're right. So, which you know, if the production crew, if the majority <laughs> of them stick around for something like that, well, we're good. But the other thing is, is with Amazon being as as I I said hungry, but I was going to say probably more the fact that with Amazon being as thirsty as they are is the better term. They'll probably put a lot more into this than any of their other series because they they have to. Yeah, it has to hit for them. It really does. You're right. They cannot fail at putting this show out. There'd be too much backlash on that. Yeah, this is something, I mean, you, you, you hear backlash when you hear about stuff, you know, with Star Wars and, you know, EA and the gaming, in the gaming stuff. Well, yeah, Amazon, if Amazon messes up on this, this is going to be just curtains, <laughs> which... We don't want to have happen. We want to have a lot of good things. So we're definitely really excited here about the Lord of the Rings series. There's a lot of stuff that's uh, that's sprouting up that we're uh, that we are excited about. And I've got to tell you something. A t- little teaser came out. Uh, you know, a, a two inch paintbrush was involved. A little little a lo- friendly cloud here and a friendly bush there. A little, little whacking of the brush. A little whacking it off. <laughs> we're talking the Deadpool teaser trailer. Deadpool teaser number two. Ryan Reynolds doing Ryan Reynolds doing Deadpool. <laughs> doing Bob Ross. Doing Bob Ross, yes. 
and it it just it just wins you know there's <laughs> you, you see this stuff and you're kind of like well where's the, where are you going with this and for the longest for the most part of it it's just they're clever hey it's deadpool and it's deadpool being funny it's going to get you interested then they give you this quick little run through of some action scenes what what i mean what was kind of your thought thought of this uh of this trailer uh i honestly i honestly was so intrigued with bob ross <laughs> as deadpool um i remember sitting in my living room watching bob ross on pbs oh, so, yeah watching same here. paint when i was a kid and so when he was doing that and we just rewatched the trailer and some of the paint the paint colors they were throwing out at the bottom of the screen it's cracking me up but one of the parts in it and this has nothing to do with the movie but He's painting, and he's like, let's just use a little bit of that yellow snow, and let's get it up here. And then he turns, and it's it's a whole painting of a of a winter landscape, you know, uh, scene scenery, and that that cracked me up. I I love Ryan Reynolds playing this character, and having having a lot of say in what goes into it. it I don't know who's behind that part of that trailer, but um, that's one of the best trailers I've seen to promote a movie in a long time. Oh yeah, I mean they had, I mean they, this was an award-winning team for their ad campaign alone with, for Deadpool. Oh yeah, for Deadpool one, yes, yeah. And so they they have to outdo themselves. They have to find ways to do this. And <laughs> I'd have to say they are doing a damn good job. This yeah, is the first the, the first trailer was released. They did the Superman twist in the phone booth, <laughs> which you and, caught something that was on the booth when you were rewatching that. Yeah, they said Nathan Summers is coming. Uh, said Nathan Summers is coming this summer, um, or coming soon, or something like that. Was yeah. his cable at first? Though it caught me off guard, and I was like, "Wait a minute, are they bringing Havoc in here? Wait a minute, what's going on here?" You know. But it's, it's cable coming, and uh, we all knew Cable is going to be in this movie. But during that during that scene, and I forgot all about it. He just plants his butt right onto the phone booth there as he's trying to change. And then somebody's getting somebody's getting beat up and he makes a phone call. And then he's like, Oh, then he hears a gunshot and he's like, Oh, and he jumps out and he's like, he's like, ah, too late. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I forgot about that first trailer because it came out so long ago, but it was the beginning of Logan. Oh, yeah, that's right. And it has nothing to do with Deadpool too. I mean, no. uh, their, their uh, promotion crew is bar none. Yeah. Now I, this film I'm I'm really excited for. I'm excited to see Cable. Cable is somebody that I've I've always liked the character of. Yep. And you know, I just I want to see all the little things that they pull into this. Now, we get to see Negasonic Teenage Warhead like upgrade. Yeah, I saw that. She has hair now. Yeah, she she has hair. She's got a full-on X-Men suit. It sounds Which is like, really cool. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the it that's the other thing is is this is, it's a throwback suit because it's the it, yellow. It, it does look like it, yeah. It's a little updated, but it it is definitely a callback to the throwback for the original yellow suit. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was when I saw that I was like yellow and blue. Yes. <laughs> yes. Another thing is Colossus is one of my favorite X Men. I love him, and so I I know he was in the original trilogy, but lightly used. I love how Deadpool used them last time. And now you know it's the same actor that plays him. No, he was gonna play him from the original trilogy. He was gonna play him in Deadpool two, but or Deadpool. But they offered it to him, but they said that it was just gonna be it's all CGI, and they're just gonna use his voice, and he declined it. 
Oh, okay. So it's a, it's a different actor. I, I don't know. I don't have the actor's name pulled up right now, but it's it's a different actor in Deadpool. Uh, uh, I remember that. I remember the story about it. And he's like, yeah, I was going to play, but it's just all CGI. So, which I understand, you know. Um, I did like him as the original trilogy. I thought he did a good job. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad Deadpool's pulling back these kind of... Uh, uh, Nuanced characters. Correct, yeah. Yeah, that weren't really used in the X-Men series. Where's Jubilee? That was the one of the hardest things, though, is, is Jubilee changed actresses so many times. Like, each film was a different actress. And yeah. she went, she reversed. She started off as a teenager, and she reversed in age to a ch- little child. <laughs> uh, Jubilee in this that would have been a good fit, though. That's a yeah. good. Uh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, Jubilee and teenage, uh, teenage Negasonic, Negasonic teenage warhead. <laughs> you know what's crazy about that is that she's from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They traded her to be able to get characters for Doctor Strange. Oh, between Fox and and Marvel. Yep. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I remember that big. I remember when that big trading card game went down. Yeah, I'm not sure what where the pieces fell at the end there. <laughs> well, you never know. Fox is trying to sell off to Disney. It sounds like it fell back into Marvel's hands. Ah, that'd be. A, we talked about that last week, but that would be yeah. awesome. Yes, it would. After after we talked about that last week, not to sidetrack us. After we talked about that last week, and I thought about it some more. I was like, I I think I actually want to see this really badly. So I do love- I. Yeah. But there's there's one downside to this is the fact that it Disney's has been, and this is something that you know, as an as an opinion, you got to kind of start to think: Would you be okay with this? Yes, they've done really good movies, but is it okay to have one major company have all the major, major like comics and all that stuff? Because Disney at one time was about to purchase uh, Warner Brothers, which would make them own DC. Yeah, I forgot about that. I don't think I'd want that. Even though Warner Brothers has kind of failed on on the movie side of things, um, their animated series of Batman, everything is, is incredible. Yeah, um, they do great things outside of the movies. Um, their books are phenomenal too, and that's why uh, I'm excited for the. That's why I'm excited for the upcoming continuation in animation of uh, Constantine. Oh Same yeah, cast and everything. I'm like, that's that's exciting. He has. That's another scary thing. If Disney did end up buying Fox, which would bring things in my head that might not happen, like X Men versus Avengers, which is amazing to me, but might seclude things like Deadpool, which I is don't. In rated I don't R. think so. I don't think so because Disney used to advertise big time on their rated R films that they were a part of under Buena Vista. But then because of there was a there was one that I'm trying to remember the title. I can't off the top of my head, but it was a football film and it actually involved a rape scene in it. And then they got sued big time over it because it had a child notice that it said Buena Vista. Now, I don't know why the kids saw the, the trailer. Maybe they saw the trailer or something, but they saw the Disney emblem on it, which was because oh. Buena Vista is, still has a Disney emblem. Mm-hmm. And so they own studios that produce some of the leading horror movies that are out. So okay. I, so they wouldn't, they won't, if something's, they're not going to, you know, water something down if it's selling, if it's good, because ultimately okay. they want money. And Yes. Yes. So, ultimately, that's the end of this. <laughs> yeah. Now, will we see Deadpool walking around Disney theme parks? No, we're not going to see Deadpool walking around Disney theme parks. No. That, that, that's something you're not going to see. So no, no, kids, you don't get to go meet Deadpool. You'd be too <laughs> foul mouth for the pictures anyway. <laughs> yeah. But 
going from this hype train kind of thing and just talking about the things we're excited about, we want to give you uh, a look into the stuff that we're watching, the stuff that are, you know, things that that create stories for us, things that create conversation topics around the water cooler, if you will. And that's our in our queue segment. And we're starting that off kind of kind of jumping right into it nick you you've got something that you want to do a season recap on you're doing a season recap on season two correct of the principles yeah it's actually a series recap it's a series Series recap series recap of like okay yeah this vice principles is created by danny mcbride and jody hill who are the writers and creators of eastbound and down um and i just listened to an interview with danny mcbride and he wanted to make vice principles with hbo who he's been a longtime partner with on several projects and uh he sold it to them as a two season long arc 18 episodes um that's what it was going to be and hbo came back to him and said we want to make vice principles with you but you have to make one more season of eastbound and down so that's why we got the fourth season of Eastbound and Down when it was originally just going to be the the three. Danny likes to move on. Um, and he said it was one of the easiest deals he could make because he got he could make another season of Eastbound and Down, which he loved to do, and he got to make his vice principals. He got that funded. Now, vice principal stars Danny McBride as Neil Gamby and Walter Walton Goggins as Lee Russell. I know uh, everybody knows Walton Goggins. Um, and he, <laughs> he's one of my favorite characters, character actors, or just actors, period. Go ahead, Damien. Two of my favorite roles that he's played in, uh, one was in Predators when he plays the, he plays the inmate and he's talking, he has a, he has a key scene in there that he talks about. He's with Topher Grace and he's sitting there and he's like, yeah, it's five o'clock. Time to rape some. It's a anyway. It's a rated R. <laughs> it's a very rated R. But in a, in a with Topher Grace's, you know, just being Topher Grace, going playing back on it, it was a perfect line and and was was comedy. Yeah, uh, you know, it might. I, who knows? That might wind up appearing in the episode. That little bit, we'll see. It might get. It might, it might just show up. The <laughs> other, the other thing I wanted to, wanted to talk about was, and it's more of a serious role for him actually, was his part in Sons of Anarchy. I was going to bring this up. Yeah, it's one of my favorite roles he's done as the cross dresser in Sons of Anarchy, <laughs> who actually has a love interest in that in that, in that show. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it was something that, and the thing is, is the character wasn't something that was so far out there that you didn't, care, like, you actually cared so much. You actually started to care a lot for the character. And that. You did. You Yeah, there's there's episodes you felt bad for. And that's where yeah. I just, he, he has a lot that he's able to do. Uh, so, yeah, Walter Boggins is just, he's a dynamic actor. And. Walton, Walton Walton Goggins. Walton, Walton Bo- Goggins or Boggins? Goggins, yeah. Goggins. Walton Goggins. Goggins, okay. I know his last name always kind of tricks me up. But Walton Walton Goggins uh in this in this first season um is incredible and he plays a completely different character than you've seen him play before and and what you've seen him in several different shows like Justified. I don't know if you watched Justified but him as the villain 
uh, antagonist for that show is amazing. Sons of Anarchy, which we mentioned, and the last Quentin Tarantino movie, Hateful Eight. He was in that, and he was a diff- he was absolutely fantastic in that too. I I love him in anything he does. Um, I'm also a big Danny McBride fan. Um, mm-hmm. I do think I do think Walton Goggins as Lee Russell kind of steals a lot of the scenes that they're in together. Really, I I really do. I and it might be just my bias that how much I love him. Um, now this season one kind of opens up that uh, Danny McBride and Walton Goggins as Neil Gamby and Lee Russell are two vice principals at North Jackson High. Now, the very first episode, you see Bill Murray in it, and he is retiring as principal of the school. And as they're talking, they're bickering back and forth, the two vice principals. And he reveals to them that he doesn't trust either one of them to succeed him. And that drives season one, because the district hires another principal, Dr. Belinda Brown Plot, played by Kimberly Gregory, who's really good in this role, too. And that drives the season as they're trying to sabotage her. Um, and the Gamby Brown Russell tug of war all season, those trio of actors on scene together is is really really well done. And all three of them together is really good. Um, Walton Goggins in this as Lee Russell is he, he, he's psychotic. He will go to any yes he'll go to any extreme measure to get what he wants. He manipulates people. He sabotages people. And for that reason, Danny McBride as uh, Neil Gamby never really trusts him. They become friends, but he never, he always feels like something's off there. And as this, as at the end of season one, there's a, there's something that happens that drives season two. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen season one. Uh, There's something that happens that drives season two. And season two, Gamby is obsessed with what's, happened at the end of season one and he is trying to find somebody basically throughout season two now through season one and two gamby does have a love interest and amanda snodgrass is the is the actress's name is the character's name the actress is uh georgia king um but gamby is in love with snodgrass and is always trying to he's always trying to approve himself to her or or try to be cool. He's actually kind of playing the eastbound and down character a lot in season one. Um, but in season two, he kind of softens up a little bit. It's not so much that character anymore. But in between season one and two, there's another teacher in the school, Miss Abbott, um, who's obsessed with Gamby, even though he's just a crazy kind of uh, douche throughout the whole season series. Uh uh, they had a fling in season one, him and Miss Abbott did. And in season two, they start to fling up again. And she is, and Miss Abbott is played by Eddie Patterson, who is an improv actor. And it really comes out in season two. And Eddie Patterson and Danny McBride playing off each other in season two and the chemistry between the two of them, it really dries episode uh, season two. Eddie is an improv actor and... Her her improv acting in season two, especially by the end of the season, is really, really good. And I didn't think anything about her in season one. Um, but in a recent interview, Danny McBride loved her so much that as soon as <laughs> Vice Principals ended, those two have already written a movie together. 
And that's pretty much his next project that he's going to be working on. There might be something before that, but he kind of alluded to that. Um, And by the end of season two, there's a mystery that has to be solved. There's love interests that get hashed out and they get hashed out well um, from a couple different characters. And where the characters do end up, you do see most of them where they end up. There is some characters that you're like, oh, wait a minute, what happened to them? And he did mention in this interview that I listened to that he is curious if he's going to make a season three now because he loved working with this cast so much where he might take it him and uh, Jody Hill. Um, so we might see a season three, but we, who knows? Danny likes to do different things. Mm-hmm. Throughout the two seasons of the 18 episode story arc, I really enjoyed it. It's a quick 30 minute episode, whatever, 27 minutes, you know, on HBO. Um, if you haven't seen it and you love Danny McBride and you love Walter, Walton Goggins, especially Walton Goggins, you should definitely go back and watch season one and two. It's quick. It's easy. It's 18 episodes. Overall, I give it a seven out of 10. There is some episodes that kind of don't really push the story along or they're just trying to make this, this episode for this really just this joke, um, which is fun. But, uh, overall I, I say everybody should check, check it out. Very cool. It's something that when I remember when I saw the previews and everything for, I really wanted to get into it. I just other things, other things came up, but it's something that's always sitting there on my list. The H- HBO shows in general, I still have not. Uh, I've only seen five episodes of The Sopranos. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I st- I got I got to get through that, especially you know having an Italian wife and whatnot. <laughs> How how long ago that show was? I remember my mom was renting the VHS tapes from the I, library, and I was when we were watching them together. <laughs> yeah, you could go to you could, the bash talking about stuff like that, man. Yeah, you could go. Remember when you could rent series? You know, the, each of the tape sections when or, or the V yeah. or or the DVDs uh, from uh, your local uh, blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, we just aged ourselves. Oh, there's so many good shows on HBO. You got to go back and watch now. Oh uh, yeah. Did you ever Did you ever watch The Wire? Nope. Ah, <laughs> you're failing right now. <laughs> All right, <I'll... laughs> it gives me a lot to look at. Now you also you're all now I I know that you're a fan of this because I hear about this a lot and I've heard other people talk about Shameless. What do, uh, so you're on Shameless season eight and you're two episodes in. Yeah, we're two episodes in so far, and so far a good solid start. Um, if you haven't seen Shameless, it's about a, a family of Gallagher's. They're the Gallagher family, and I know you've heard this last name before. And uh, and you know they're not smashing watermelons, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but this is a this is a story about a family of seven, led by uh, the father Frank Gallagher, who's played perfectly by William H Macy. Uh, you see him in a lot of different things. William's a great actor, and he steals the scenes and a lot of things that he's in, and especially this show. Um, Frank is a complete and utter failure in life. He's a thief, a cheat, an addict in every sense of the word. He will do anything and screw anybody over just to inch himself forward just a little bit. And it's kind of played that way out for the first seven seasons. Um if you haven't seen any of the Shameless, right now you can watch seven, all seven seasons on Netflix. You can stream all seven. 
Now it is an hour long show, so that that is take some time to get through. <laughs> um, one thing I do like about Shameless and what they do is that um, it shout it shot. I'm not sure where it shot at, but it's supposed to be South Boston, and they'll actually change the seasons. They'll do like winter. They'll do a season that's in the winter, and then they'll do a season that's in the summer. Now, early on in the show, season two and three, the episode, the season that was in the summer, the kids all have to get together because they don't have any parental guidance. They all have to get together and they all have to do little jobs like mow the lawn, babysit their babysit some kids, or or steal. <laughs> you know, they, I mean, they'll do anything, and they actually have to scroll away money for the winter to come. Um, and then they'll next season they'll shoot it in the summertime. I I, I like that part of the show. Um, seven seasons, a lot to get through on Netflix, but it's definitely worth it. Also the UK version, which started way before this one in 2004 and ended in 2013 was 11 seasons long. Now I did start watching the first season of that, but after watching William H. Macy play Frank Gallagher, I really don't think there's anybody else that can play him. And so I kind of fell off. Yeah. I kind of just fell off. The UK version. So I often like the um, UK version shows better when they, you know. I do too. I'm with you. The Office, the UK version, is a thousand times better to me than the American version. Um, yeah, the father. I'm, I don't know his name. I didn't look up that actor, but the father in it just didn't play it the same way William H Macy did. And it, William H Macy plays a, a druggy, drug, a drunk, alcoholic abusive person uh, emotionally not physically emotionally to his children he plays that better than I, I just don't think I could see anybody else doing it really and it's such a strange uh, thing for me to view him playing because he that's not that's so not him he, yeah he's a super nice guy uh, to the point where there was before season eight even was started there's a little controversy with Amy Rosam who plays Fiona Gallagher on the show she's the oldest sister she's basically the glue of the show and she's the glue of the family too she's raising the siblings now eight seasons later they have a lot of them grown up but there's a couple of younger kids still um she was not going to sign on a season eight if she was not paid more than William H Macy was. And it wasn't that she wanted to be paid more this season. She wanted to be paid for the seven previous seasons that she was so underpaid than William H. Macy was. And she is in more scenes. She is the bigger part of the show than, than you know, Frank Gallagher is. And that's what I love about William H. Macy is he came out and supported her completely. And he said that. He said, he said hey, she's in more of it than I am. She she deserves every part of it, every every amount of money that she wants she deserves it um she's the leading actress but she's the leading actor um william h macy will get the headlines because of who he is but uh uh fiona gallagher is another reason why i watch this show she reminds me a lot of my sister and i told my sister this a long time ago because this this life that they're living especially in the early seasons really reminded me of how i grew up um, Fiona is taking care of her children, of her brothers and sisters, her siblings. And that's kind of what my sister had to do for us too. And, uh, I know she's listening. So thank you, Brian. <laughs> and without her, I, I might not have made it out of that world that I was in at the time. Um, she really drove my brother and I to do the right things. Um, and that's what Fiona's doing in this show. So it touches me in the feels like, like you like to say, 
and especially the earlier up seasons, it really did. Um, also, Emma Rosen, who plays Fiona Gallagher, I just found this out. I should have knew this. That was me. It's married to the creator of Mr. Robot, Sam Esmail, another show that I like to watch too. <laughs> <laughs> when I found out she was married to, I was like, oh man, I should have knew this. Um, but Shameless right now, season eight. Uh, it's on Sunday, 6 p.m. on Showtime. Now, being on uh, season love- eight, and you know the other one went to season 11, do you think that this one will go to season 11? And then there's also been times where these shows get picked up and they do better here. And so they actually surpass their UK versions. Yeah, just like The Office did. Um, uh, I believe The Office UK version was only three three seasons long. Um, season nine's already been greenlit. Okay. So we know we're going nine so far. Um, season eight started very solid. And I will say that Frank for seven seasons has been a degenerate and he's an ass. Uh, season eight, if you've seen any of the posters or not posters, but you know, for the 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 promotion for season eight of Shameless, he's floating in the air like an angel, <laughs> and he's so much not an angel. And his kids are kind of looking up at him because so far in season eight, two episodes in, the first episode he did I think a half pound of meth. Oh God! And then episode two, he decided he was cleaning up and getting a job for the first time in seven seasons or eight seasons. He's getting a job, and he has one. He actually has he has to go get a checking account. And so we're seeing a different Frank Gallagher right now. So I'm really excited to see where this train wreck goes. <laughs> see, that's got that that you know, telling you know, of your kind of your backstory a little bit along tying it into to it. That's the type of stuff that gets me wanting to watch a show is when I when you know, yeah because it's like I'll watch something and I'll tie it, you know I'll, I'll kind of connect with it on a, on a certain level and it pulls me in knowing that. It's something that I'll probably put into my Netflix queue and actually watch here sooner than sooner than some of my other shows that I would, I would typically watch on there. It will absolutely suck you into that world. You'll get okay. sucked in and you'll start worrying about the kids. Okay, you really will. Well, I'll tell you what. I will watch that, but you need to get watching Californication. I will. I know. Okay. All right. So next up, something that we talk about a lot, and in fact, we got we got Chris, we got one of our castmates pulled into it white famous episode number six wolves (laughs) which is a great title because basically moonies being circled around (laughs) yeah i talked about last week when we had a chance to see the preview for this that this reminded me of an episode for californication where uh hank is being uh circled by all his love various love interests that including his ex-wife that uh in a single episode they just all show up and it's the and he's hiding one in the bedroom one in the bathroom one over in the in the study or you know he's just trying to do all these different this song and dance and they keep coming out that was very much what happened in this episode and again those episodes are an hour long so you had an hour long for him to do this 30 minutes for this, but again, it got the same effect going on. Now, what happens it is, really is we does, talked, yeah. we, we talked about last week, and uh, and when we go, when we talk about this, we do go, we do go, kind of spoilerific with it because it's an ep- it's a show that you have to talk about all the all the little levels of because if you don't, you're not doing it justice, and so you have to explain the stuff that the characters are going through. You have to explain the scene by scene, basically because. 
because it's it's what explains the show. Now, this whole episode takes place in one location. Yeah, it's Mooney's apartment here. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it takes place in his apartment. All the stuff that happened, that all the bad stuff, and he's just he's just sleeping. He's trying to get through it. He's trying to get some rest. He's trying to just take a nap, man. <laughs> but all the characters show up, and they're not letting him. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he he's he's sleeping, and the first thing is a knock on the door, and. uh He's like, oh, I don't want to. I'm, I'm not getting up. I'm not getting up. And then he just keeps knocking on the door, and he's like, "Fine," you know. And he gets up. It's Michael. And it, it was Michael Rappaport, right? Yeah, it's Michael Rappaport. Sorry, I was looking at my notes there. Yeah, it's Michael Rappaport, the first one. And Michael Rappaport's been up all night. He's coked out of his mind, <laughs> and he looks like it too. He, oh yeah, he's very pale and sweaty, and uh, <laughs> he's coming in to apologize to Floyd for everything that's happened and also trying to get him on his side to try to get Peter into a room so they can talk about, you know, making this movie again, because in the last episode, Peter had shut down the production of this, of this film that they're both involved in. And, uh, they're kind of a little conversation, but I think the funny part of this is, is that he just tells him he wants to take a nap. Yep. <laughs> Michael Rapport's tired. Now he wants to take a nap and he just goes in the balls room. <laughs> he just lays on balls bed and just shuts the door, and Mooney's like, "Whatever." <laughs> yeah, what I, he's like, "I'm not even going to deal with this." What I what I liked about this scene, though, was again when we talked about we talked about Mooney's character not ta- not allowing people to be stupid or say stupid things. Right in the same instant of comedy being in there, he did throw in there your your uh, uh, what was it that you said your ah he goes his your white privilege is ridiculous right now. Yeah, but it was just, yeah. it was just like it was just thrown right in there, so it just kind of flew in. And my, Michael Rappaport's character is just like, uh huh, uh huh. It just just rolls with it. Doesn't doesn't even think anything about. It. Nah, he's out of his mind. Yeah, right now. and so he goes in. The now the next character shows up at the door. Or no, first now Mooney goes back and he lays down. Yeah, and then it's and then it's uh it's a- Amy. Yeah, and his agent, his ex agent now wants to come in and apologize to him for everything that's happened and her sleeping with him without telling her she's married to Peter and she's doing this little sing-song thing, but really she's just there to get Mooney back into the bedroom. Yep. Which you can, as they're building up this whole this whole thing, it's just, it's layer upon layer of things that are going down. His agent shows up. Peter shows up because they find out that there's a and, and they actually this was the funny thing is they never actually state she Amy says that she has a tracker on her phone. And so Correct, it keeps yeah. them honest. That Peter can track her, yeah. But that was never something that was mentioned that that's actually how Peter wound up because Peter decided that he wanted to apologize and offer he wanted to off, offer another another show. another role in the Mooney. Yeah. yeah. Now, that, and again, which, like we talked about, Mooney does not let Peter get away with anything. He shuts him down right off the bat mm-hmm. because he's like because these high level producer or studio heads in in L.A. they think they can just do or say whatever they want, and people are just going to jump because they could be in their little motion picture. Mooney does not care. Nope. He pushes him. He's trying to push him. Gives him back his script. Pushes him out the door. He's like, "Yeah, I'll think about it for a second. Nope. He's like, "Get you get 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 the hell out of my apartment." And 
I what that's again. It's just the simple things that they that they do in this series that I like. I I love the strength of his character. Yeah, he's a very strong character. Now, the other there's other two other characters that come into play, and these are one of them is the boyfriend of his of his baby's mama, Sadie. Sadie, and yeah. Actually, Sadie and Trevor show up first. Oh yeah, Sadie and Trevor show up first. So at this time, a he had he's having Michael Rapport in Balls' room. He was hiding Amy in his bedroom as his agent, and Peter showed up. He finally got Peter to leave, and his agent and Amy are still there. And then Sadie and Trevor show up now. Yeah, and he's trying to talk them into to you know going and doing their own thing. Trying to explain to him that they need to, you know, they need to go enjoy themselves, go get breakfast, something like that. Yeah, he was trying to get him out of there. He's that. trying to hold everything down. And he's technically kind of doing a good job for what he's given. Then burst in the door, Sadie's boyfriend, who was an actor on Angry Black. And then yes. the actress who... I'm forgetting her her name who had the back but she was the babysitter for Amy and Peter. Yeah. That uh that cheated that Peter cheated on Amy with. And so you have all this this going on. And you can tell right off the bat that his this is the the big turning point of this episode was that Mooney catches on to something that everybody else is kind of like not seeing but they even the actress or both other characters that enter the scene say, "Oh, it's not what you think." And then Mooney cocks his head and is looking over it, but he's got so much else going on he can't dig into it yet. Yeah, and yeah. you could tell that those two are having a relationship while he also is in a relationship with with uh, Sadie. That so this whole episode basically just piles on and piles on and. It was that was the key moment, what of this episode was him noticing that everything else is stuff that's just building on to, to fix what happened in the last episode, and give it movement for the next one. That's the part that I didn't really care for is that the last episode was so good. I I really liked it and everything fell apart for him and Michael Rappaport for Angry Black. Uh, that everything just kind of turned around and was put back together again, like a small puzzle. Now these, but the thing is, is that that's the one thing that even in Californication, when stuff like that happened, you knew that it didn't last. You get maybe one, two episodes tops where things are fine and dandy before something comes in and shakes the foundation. The thing that shook the foundation in this, everything's fixed. Yeah, except for the audience and Mooney know that there's going to be an issue coming up. And so that's kind of this episode. That was kind of the main thing is, is that he's in a situation now. And yes, we see this in a lot of film and other things where, you know, the ex sees the other, you know, that's interested still in being with his ex. He sees the other guy out doing something and catches him and all that stuff. Yes, that's a normal trope, but what I'm, what I'm interested in is seeing how they play that out in this because the writers have been so good thus far yeah. providing the viewers with rhyme and reason for everything that happens. So I that's what's got me 
I'm, I'm very eager. Excited. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm eager. Yeah. I'm eager to see how they take this into the parts. Now, I don't want to see the characters hurt in any anything, but drama is something that happens in this series, and it's something that these writers do so well that yeah, yeah. I actually, you know, I'm going to take that back. I do want to see it because I want to see that de- character development. Yeah, this show is driven off drama. It is. Uh, yeah. There is a breaking point in this episode after the Yakety Sax music stops playing and the little, you know, musical chair stops for, for Mooney. <laughs> and it was just kind of an ending shot there of the couch was flipped over and it's on the reverse side and Mooney just kind of collapses on it, sitting on it upside down, basically. And Balls comes in and Balls just looks and goes, what the hell? What did I miss? And, uh, Mooney just says, ah, just don't ask, man. And Ball sits next to him, and Mooney kind of puts his head on his shoulder and goes, Ball says, I can do that, man. So even though Balls is a small part in this episode, still, it was a great little it, line. Is, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. I was going, I'm glad you brought that up because, again, as I said, my favorite character, if I could get like a collectible, if they come up with pop vinyls, if they come up with anything collectible, I want <laughs> a Balls figurine. I want that on my desk because that guy is cool as hell. And he's he's so cool. He man. just, <laughs> he's that perfect little, just comes in. And settles settles it. It's that it's that he is the anchor, he or he's he's the keel. He keeps Mooney in line. In check, yeah, yeah. Without balls, that uh, that foundation you were talking about is kind of Mooney's foundation. Is Rod Balls? Mm-hmm. He needs him, even though he has Sadie and his and his son. Balls keeps him very level headed. Exactly. Now we have two more things to talk about this week. And one of them, we, we, what we did is uh, we're going to talk – first up, we're going to talk about Ghosted because we're – this episode was better than, than last yeah. week's. However, what we just want to do is we want to just touch base real quick, kind of say it hasn't been the same as the first like three, four episodes. And because of that – I say three to yeah, four, yeah. So because of that – We've decided that we're just going to wait, and the next time you're going to hear us talk about Ghosted is on a season recap, and whether or not we feel that if they haven't chosen that they're going to pick it up for another season, if we think it should go another season or not. Because we don't want to bore you guys with something. If it's starting to be a thing that we can be on our our cell phones to, we don't want to talk about it. Yeah, and on on that point too, I thought I should bring up that the Walking Dead is going on right now, and I know we're both watching it, and we both really love this series to the point where I collect all the toys and books and everything. Um, it's something that we want to talk about as a group, and a lot of us hasn't been on all the all the time lately, and it would be better as a group discussion. Uh, the other thing is is that it hasn't been our favorite season so far. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to just sit here and uh, crap on something that, that I love. Yeah, that I enjoy. We want to talk about something that we're excited about, and we can critique it later. Um, so that's one reason, if you're wondering why we're not talking about The Walking Dead. We talk about it outside the show, and it's a lot of negative and not positive. So it's not something. What we're probably going to do is we'll probably do a season, do it uh, just when the season's over, or at least when the, well, we'll do, I'll tell you what. When the season's half over, when we're at the half halfway mark for the season, they take the season break. We will do yeah. a half season recap. 
and we will tell you what we think is going on. And then when the second half starts up, if it's still if it if it's doing good, then we'll go episode yeah. by episode for you guys. But if it's not, then we'll just do we'll wait and we'll say, hey, we're watching this. Watch along with us, and we're going to do an episode where we're just going to discuss it. Yeah, so the listeners that I know are out there that love The Walking Dead and listen to this show, we're, we're sorry. I would love to talk about it, but there's just not a – it was it was funner to talk about Negan on Rampage right now than <laughs> Negan on the show because he's invisible right now on the show. Although this Sunday, that could change. I saw, I saw it. I'm hoping. I'm crossing my fingers, man. Same here. But what we – what we are going to talk a lot about, in fact, we started last week, we started doing kind of a, we'd pick a character and we started kind of seg. we, we, we talked about Shatter last week and we, we were kind of insinuating that we we're going to talk about this character. We're going to talk, focus on, well, first we're going into the episode seven of the gifted. This one's X comes in the, in the X in extreme measures. Yes. And that's the title of extreme measures. This episode really brings in a major thing that you see in Marvel films, a lot of Marvel films, but mostly in the X-Men films, and that is love triangles. You see a lot of them. (laughs) Some of them them are, are, are finishing up, and then other ones are just getting kind of started. Famously, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Wolverine. Exactly. So what would yep. what would you if you're gonna have something so closely tied to the X Men, how can you do that without having your love triangle? Yeah, and I see I saw three of them in this episode. Um, the first one I kind of wanted to mention is I think the 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 bottom tier of the three is Lauren and Mirage, and I know they're just having a little they're kind of just filling each other out in this episode. But the love triangle to me was Lauren Mirage and her parents. And I know they're not in love with their parents. That's not what I mean. I mean the fact that their parents are love Lauren and they're looking out for her best interests. Mm-hmm. Now, her father comes out and finds a case file. It's just a hand drawing, but it looks a lot like Mirage. The powers are like Mirage. So he pretty much figures out that it's Mirage. And Mirage did some small petty crime before he got to the Mutant Underground. Now, one of the things that you have to do when you go into the Mutant Underground is you have to tell, you pretty much have to give, you know, tell them if you were a criminal, give them your background, give them your backstory to be able to, so they can trust you in there because the Mutant Underground is based on trust. And now her parents are worried that Lauren has tied herself into somebody that might be in the bad things. Honestly, it was just small, petty crime. I understand where the father was coming from. Um, and they did the right thing. They brought it to Lauren first. And they talked to Lauren about it. And she still got upset about it. And she brought it to Mirage. And there's that little love triangle there. And that stuff was figured out by the end of the episode. I, I There's not really much more to it than that, I don't think, Damien. No, that one, that one was pretty cut and dry. Now, yeah. the next one, and if we're going in, in the tiers, the next one, the next two are kind of kind of in ties. Because the next one that I was going to talk about was Thunderbird, Dreamer, and Blink. Correct, yeah. And you're starting to see, because this episode, we, we talked about in the last episode that we, we were pretty sure that Blink was going to look for somebody. Correct. And this episode ties in 
And one of the, one of the things that they did with this one that was kind of nice is they gave they explained you know so Blink came from a foster family and that was one of the very happier times but at the same time it was unhappy because they they hid the mutant children away from from it. Now they were they loved them, they were loving parents, but they hid the the kid children because they wanted them to be safe. But they're basically the underground before the underground. But what it wound up doing is, you know, you tell a child, no, you hold them back from something. It makes them want to do it more. So Correct, yeah. that's one of the reasons why Blink winds up running away and then winds up getting caught, all those things. But this is something that was so far in her past that she had forgotten a lot of it. In come Thunderbird. Now, Thunderbird is the key character we're going to talk a lot about. Uh, we're going to do, after we're done talking about the episode, we're going to go into Thunderbird's character. Uh, but Thunderbird comes in because, you know, he feels responsible because him and Dreamer basically used Blink. They put the thought of a memory that he had of Dreamer into Blink, Blink's mind, so she still remembers all that. But in the process of this episode and then him tracking and fi- helping her find the location of where her her uh, foster family was. This includes other mutant children and stuff too. You, you get a grim scene. And the, th- the thing about, about traumatic events and things, it ties, it bonds people. Correct, yeah. And, and one of Thunderbird's abilities is that he can track very well and he can see what happened in situations. And even at the point in front of the house, he tells her, I think you should hold back. Something happened here. You know, he's trying to warn her and and care about her there. When they go into the house, nobody's there. He actually winds up finding uh, blood, uh, blood stains all over the floors. We don't know if anybody survived this, but it, it, it I mean, with how how he saw that Sentinel services, my guess is that the mutants probably were caught. Yeah. So that may be eventually something that you see someone in season one or season two come back and it winds up being a foster brother or sister of Blink. That could be a, that could something, be something you would see. We know that they're using mutants against people. Tattooed, Tattooed mutants. Tattooed mutants, yeah. Those are the ones from the same program that we know about now, it might be different universe, but we know same program, same thing that was going on in Logan. Correct, yeah. Now, the, the this all stuff starts to, to move along in this, this particular part of the storyline. But then you can also start to see that Blink has decided, she says, my fight may not, because I may have thought that this wasn't my fight before, but it is now. So this, yes. this scene helps move her character in the direction of making her want to fight, want to defend others. But what it also does is it starts, you start to see Thunderbird start to have feeling. You can see that he's starting to have feelings for Blink. Yeah, you can see it in a couple scenes. Just a, that he, yeah, they're very light and and quick, but you could see that he was, when she was giving him those long, uh, beautiful eyes of hers, that he was like, oh, yeah, I'm it, you know. Yeah, it's a, uh, and then it just, then when she walks by, it was the light kind of brushing and it's, it's just the, the look. 
But then you see Dreamer come walk by, and Dreamer lays one on him. Just, to, just she she knows what's going on. She's just laying her claim, uh, <laughs> peeing up, yeah. pissing on her tree, if you will. And they and they mentioned in these episodes that Thunderbird and Dreamer were together, but they decided to separate for the good of the mutant underground. Yeah. So there is a past relationship there that's not really solved. Yep. And still ongoing. And so that's where you got the love triangle with that. Now, the the next one is something that's it is and it isn't because to the women involved it is yes, but to the man involved it's not. And we're talking about the one that incidents that's going on right now between Eclipse and his former mob boss uh girlfriend or fiance whatever and Carmen, Carmen and then and Polaris correct yeah now the uh, the things that went down in the last episode was or that we knew or when she was rescued we knew that sometime he was going to be called upon yeah eclipse had asked carmen for the information to to get the convoy so he could save polaris and now he owes that favor back and you get this gives you a back this episode what it does though is it gives you backstory on eclipse and you know that he was kind of like a hitman for the mob, and correct, yeah. This he liked to burn things. Yeah, he's a pyro. Yeah. Then, so you you see you see that that stuff, and you see how much how he dressed differently and all that stuff. And then there was very much an animosity between Carmen. She does not like because she was left. She, she was left for Magnus Magnet not- Girl. She does not like Magnet Girl. Now, on on Eclipse a little bit is that during this season so far, Eclipse has been kind of mal-mannered. And you see him when he gets a little upset when Polaris is taken to jail. But you actually really see a different side of him in this episode. Oh, yeah. and Yeah, and especially when he, because in this episode, he has to catch himself on fire mm-hmm. for Carmen. And you don't really see it before, but after he's done, you can see that adrenaline in his face. You can see him remembering that he loves doing this. Yeah, he smiles. He has he has this straight yeah. up smile. And when I saw it, I'm like, ooh, because you know this entire time, we we haven't talked about him as being the villain or any of that type of stuff. All our focus has been on it being that how aggressive Polaris is. Yeah, and in this episode, she's not so much. She's kind of docile, and she's actually really worried about Eclipse because she figures out that he is not going where he says he's going. Um, they get supplies from a different mutant underground out, uh, outpost, and that he's and so she gets worried, and she realizes that he takes his medallion that he used to wear when he was working for the cartel, and he told her that it protected him. So when she sees that that medallion is gone, um, she hunts him down. Yep. Her actually, her and, and Dreamer. Uh, Dreamer, yeah, hunt him down, and they actually see him with Carmen catching the stuff on fire, and she's extremely upset. Yeah, she actually and sees him like, smile. She sees him smile as he's walking back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And she she's actually pretty. You could. She's so upset is when your wife is really upset with you, and they don't want to talk about it, and they're just quiet. That's when you know you're really in trouble. Uh, that's pretty much what Polaris was right there because she just basically went home like a parent and waited for the kid to come through the door super late 
you're like, you know, you're, you're, you're supposed to be home by 10. It's two in the morning and she's waiting for eclipse to come back to the mutant underground. And the thing is, is when he comes back, this is another one of those great scenes where it doesn't feel acted. It feels like this is something that someone knows because yeah just like you said yeah when you do wrong and your wife does she doesn't talk about it, she doesn't want to talk and then she's quiet and then you 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 come back and you're like okay i know i did something and, and then she's still quiet about it. you know you're in trouble that oh, scene yeah. played out so well that i'm like oof oof <laughs> like i felt it <laughs> <laughs> i felt i felt being in that spot too as a kid as soon as he walked in and she was just standing there in the dark waiting for him i was like I think I was here once or twice as a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, now how this this episode ends is it shows you know like it it shows definitely a division right now between Eclipse and Polaris. And what I find interesting is is that again you know for us we thought that this was our eyes have totally been on Polaris the entire time as being the aggressive and all that stuff. But what this could be is a very well written bait and switch and that she could be she very well because she saw that and that we could there could have been a very dark side because he eclipse kept saying you know he said that he had a very dark past this could be the showing of the fact that yeah he he likes hurting people because he keeps always saying i'm not going to kill people which means he that he probably likes killing people and that's why he doesn't that's why he's so adamant about not doing it because it's an addiction for him that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, no, I'm on the same exact page as you. As soon as I saw that, I was like, ooh, I could have been wrong this whole time. I could have been keep saying that she's the aggressive one. She's the tie into the brotherhood. But what if, and we saw another mutant. I don't know who, we, we don't know who he is, but we saw another mutant with Carmen and the cartel during this scene with the eclipse. The brotherhood could be involved with the cartel. We don't know. But that could be the connect is Eclipse and not Polaris. It could be a nice bait and switch right there. But there's another thing that this mirrors because this episode talks a lot about them trying to – about the Sentinel services trying to embed the mutants that they have brainwashed and everything into the mutant underground. But Yeah, get some secret spies in but there. But what they're showing is, is that you know, they show the show as you're supposed to decide what the mutants are, correct? Well, as then you got the Sentinel services that are supposed to be the villains. Now, the Sentinel services are viewed as the villains because they're using mutants. Well, then you have this other scene that mirrors it. And I want this to be played out. I want Polaris to bring this up because, you know, they're fighting because uh, Pulse and everybody, you know, is one of the main mutants they know about One is, was the first. I want them to talk about, I want them to bring up the fact that Carmen using mutants to do these bad things. What's the difference between Carmen using mutants for this or Sentinel services using mutants to hunt mutants? I want that comparison to be brought up in an episode. I want them to actually butt heads over. That's a good point. I'm seeing them both as the same, actually. Yeah. And it, I'm seeing the cartel as the same as, you know, Sentinel services. Yeah, same here. And so I want, I want that. That's the one, that's my one thing that I saw in this episode I wanted to see. Now, what we want to end off on. Now, this episode, it was a good one. It was a story mover. It's uh, it it closed. It kind of quasi closed some stuff. Like between Laura and Mirage, she does a quick kiss at the end, and that's kind of like okay, things are tied up. But you know that in anything with this, if that character was well liked, eventually he'll come back to rescue, or something's gonna happen. 
his character's he's just going to another another underground uh base. He's not he's not out of the, out of the universe. But the things that I wanted to touch on mainly is we're going back to Thunderbird. Now we've we've had a lot of theories on Thunderbird, so we finally did some research this week. We we literally got after the episode. We're like, okay, we're gonna pick the character. We're like, hey, Thunderbird. We're going to we're talking to our Discord. We're like, we're gonna dig deep for everybody and talk about Thunderbird because we keep bringing him up. Thunderbird, or so he's James James, right? James Proudstar. No, Johnny John Proudstar Johnny is Thunderbird. Johnny Proudstar. Johnny Proudstar, aka Thunderbird. Who's on Gifted. Yes. Now, his brother was James Proudstar, the original Warpath, the original Thunderbird. Um, in the comics, what happens to James Proudstar is that he dies uh, fighting with the X-Men. And that's what sparks Johnny to hunt down the X-Men and actually work with Hellions, the Hellions, and try to avenge his brother's death. Um and he eventually becomes part of the X-Force for a long time and then part of the X-Men for a bit throughout the comics. That's just the comics universe that goes in so many different directions. What we do know is that Dreamer, I think I misspoke in the previous episode when I said that she, he did not want to be like his father. I meant to say is that Dreamer said, I know you want to live up to who your father was. Now, his father is Neil Proudstar, not a mutant, uh, just a war veteran. So I believe they're just saying as he was talking about a war is coming and the X-Men said a war was coming and he's pretty much the general of this mutant army that he wanted to live up to his father and his father being a veteran. And Johnny's a veteran also. Yeah, his father was, wasn't his father an Apache uh, co- uh, wind talker? Uh, he was an Apache, he, he's uh, associated with the Apaches, yes. Okay. Um, I didn't see anything about the wind talkers. Um, what I did find was that he was in one book. And so last week when I was talking about, I just couldn't, I couldn't find him. I, I only found him in one place. Now listeners, yes, I just Googled Warpath's father and I kind of looked around, but I had to kind of find it. And I only found it in one little place that he was in one book, Earth 616, I believe it was. And, uh, but it did talk about, that Neil Prostar was a veteran. We know Johnny's a veteran. And so that's what he probably meant to living up to his father's shoes. Maybe his father was a war hero. I, I don't know any more than that. Yeah. And so we know that he, we definitely know Johnny has his ties to the X-Men. We, Correct. We, he wasn't, it was his brother that was a member. So he wasn't a member yet of the X-Men. Yeah. We don't know what year this is. So in the books, Johnny was a member, but we don't know where we're at now. Yeah. We just don't know what year we're in. Because uh, depending on which storyline there were, there are also some comics where there was a storyline where the X-Men did disappear. I was looking this up. And that then I believe it was the start of the new X-Men was because the X-Men disappeared. So what the gifted could be leading us into is the new X-Men. That would be cool. Which, yeah, I mean. That would be awesome, yeah. That, that's, that's, I started looking up stuff. I'm like, okay, because, it, I mean, and, it, and then in the new X-Men, that's where, uh, in that particular universe, that is where Logan's son takes up the mantle of Wolverine. We're not talking about his son that's from the Wildlands that's, the, that's got the, what's, the wicked tattoos and all that stuff. That guy's kind of crazy. We're talking about <laughs> we're talking about his blonde-haired son that looks a lot more like Sabretooth. <laughs> 
<laughs> I forgot about what he looks like. That's right. <laughs> but we do know Johnny is the direct link between the X-Men and the Mutant Underground. And, and we knew that before, but it's pretty solidified now. Solidified, not solidified. Solidified <laughs> now. <laughs> and uh, I said Enzo last week instead of Edzo. <laughs> no, instead of Enzio. Enzio. Yeah, Enzio. And uh, we can go into that to later on why I said that. I'm rewatching Seinfeld, and that's why. Uh, we still don't know where the X-Men are. are and we still don't know why they've gone. Um, we just know a war is coming, and we don't know what war. It could be something past the Sentinel services. This could just be a lead into it. Um, but each episode, uh, Damien, I keep looking forward to the next one. As soon as it pops up, I'm like, okay, i got to watch this. You know? Same here. This is something that... It, it's something I love. I love the characters. I love to be able to break the characters down. We'll discuss more on which character that we, we go into uh, this next week. And uh, we'll bring you a little bio and everything that we talk about on that character. Shatter was in this, you know, just for a brief moment. But his character is becoming a more pleasant character in this, in the, in this episode. Yeah. Was. So, you know, like we said, character evolution, side characters definitely will have their day. So we'll definitely see when these characters are utilized more. We'll, we might pick up a side character to talk about. And uh, yeah, I like I like Eclipse right now with the ties in the cartel. That's what I. That's uh, kind of that's like a, this. Yeah. Are you leaning that way that's too? What I, that's, kinda, yeah. Kind of looking that story. I want yeah. I want to look into Eclipse because Eclipse does remind me a lot of of Pyro. And yeah. and, and yeah. there there are callbacks because Polaris is a callback to Magneto. Yes. And, yes. and the entire time, I'm like, okay, Polaris, let's see your who's your parents, who's your parents? Because we know, we know Magneto was a he was a little bit of a of a playboy. He yeah. has children all over the place. Where's Quicksilver? Come on, <laughs> Scarlet Witch. Oh yeah. So with that, this week, that's the end of, end of uh, our NRQ, and we're gonna get to where we say where you can you can reach us. And you can reach us by email at geekologist at ninjapancake.com or podcast at geekologistradio.com. Find us on Twitter at geekologistradio minus the T for character restrictions or on the web geekologistradio.com, www.ninjapancake.com, where you can find our family of podcasts, which include shows that talk you know geek squatch if you want to go back into old shows they've been celebrating our new month they that show is great uh alex hirsch on their comedy <laughs> but yeah go ahead and check all the all those things out and uh be sure to be sure to tweet us out get back to us talk to us we're always going to be here. Now, what I wanted to say before, also before I said where we're, you can locate us at, is that this is our Thanksgiving episode. There will be – and then this will put us into our Thanksgiving week. Now, because of our recording times is typically on Fridays, that takes place Friday after Thanksgiving. We're going to be doing a lot with our families. Uh, Nick and I, you know, being family, we're going to wind up being together. We will probably be doing something on Black Friday, so – I think I got an idea for stuff we're going to do. We might, as we're out and about, just do some talks. If we're in line waiting for any particular electronics, we might try to see if someone's picking up a video game and or a console or something like that and what they're excited for. And we might just do some little interviews on the spot. Uh, either way, we'll get something out. It won't it won't be our traditional recordings uh, for the next 
for this week or the week after Thanksgiving. After that, we'll be back to our regular our regular schedule, and uh, we got some other things coming up the up the pipeline. So just stay tuned and stick with us, and we will continue to evolve for you guys. So you can find Nick. Where can you find you at? You can find me on Twitter at Nick and PDX, all one word, and check out the Facebook page, Geekologist. Posting a lot of good stuff on there lately. I've been liking it. And then you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Damian Nash, all one word. And with that, we're out. Track, track.